to Exit Through the 2010s, a podcast celebrating the movies of the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me is Clay Williams. Uh, Sopranos, how has it been since we last checked up on you? I'm not. I'm I'm still taking a break. I'm still on a hiatus, but I have been watching movies. You haven't straight up said no more Sopranos Corner is my thing. But if that's the case, then like... Totally For right, cool. I'll, I'll, how about this? I'll let you know when I come back to it. I'll, I'll let you know. But right now, oh. I'm just taking a mini break. I was also I watched, just like very excited. Is the other thing? So right, if you, you said no, I'd probably keep going. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I the great show. I, I still I need to get back into it. I'm still on season two. Um, but I've been trying to catch, so I watched, I guess that's like, an update then. That's sort of an update. If you yeah, say you still go. the yeah, same, that's, that's part of the yeah, corner. That's, okay. that's part of the Yeah, corner. you still like it. You, you haven't like yeah, turned on show. it since your break. Good show. I think about Polly Walnuts at least twice a day. Twice a day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've been trying, I like, la- like from the last week, I'm just like, oh, you know how I didn't watch like any movies in October? I watched like five or like, I was like so bad in October. I just watched nothing. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just watch like everything not everything but like I, i've been watching just a lot of horror films recently which is weird because it's like i started the day of halloween and now i'm like in the beginning of november just like what's a horror movie i can watch that's funny um, i have my 2021 catch-up list and i've been going in alphabetical and the first thing on it is the fear street trilogy and like oh my god yeah that's like i should have done that in october so i'm, I'm with right. you but those are two but those are two hour three three two hour movies it's so like those aren't even so. a thir- one yeah. an, an hour thirty. Those are like two hours. I haven't seen them yet, yeah. but I saw I saw Dune on Halloween. Dune, yes, you lived you know, up to our promise. A lot of sand. We got yes. some sand. We got some movie stars. And we got some more sand. Good movie. Mm-hmm. Denny like V it. doesn't really know how to miss my opinion. Then when <laughs> I got home after Dune, I'm like, well, I got it. It'd be weird if I ended Hall- like Halloween night was like, yeah, I watched Dune and that was it. Like, I feel like I got to end it with like a horror movie. So I watched Neil Marshall's The Descent. Yeah. Um, it, it fucking 2005. Rules. Two bangers Fucking, in a row. You have, awesome. Yeah. Like, of course. I don't even know so, which one I like more because those, because The Descent fucking rule. I was so just, I was so giddy watching it just at home. Just like, just what he does. Like the moment it gets real dark and you're using glow sticks and flares <laughs> Like, the moment you see a flare and, like, that's the primary color of a scene, you're like, all right, this is going to be great. It's cool. The creature design still like, give you the heebie-jeebies. It's like, right. Really no well way. done. Super simple. Um, I, I think maybe I'm just, I'm, now I'm thinking about it, maybe I'm just into flare scenes. Just any scene that has a flare. Uh, um, the Thing is one, my, my favorite movie of all time, so you got a lot of flares there. Good flare work. Um, the Scent, good flares. So, I don't know, maybe I need to make a flare list. But, uh, yeah, flares. Always good as a primary color for a scene. Uh, then the next day, I watched Lake Mungo, the docu- like the kind of doc- faux documentary found footage yeah. film. Yeah. Real creepy shit. Yeah. Uh, way more like subtle than I was expecting, um, and way more like human driven. Like it's not even that. Like it's definitely like a horror movie, but it's it, you know the scares are few and far between, but in a, like a good way. Like it's still it builds up to all of it pretty well and. Very effective family stuff. Really effective acting. Found footage is always a hit or miss with that stuff because mm. it, it sometimes people get too into like they just have to. They feel like since it's this, I don't know. I think maybe they're trying too hard to make the performances raw, 
It's like, no, just right. let it come Yeah, naturally. exactly. They just do too much. Um, but like mm-hmm. Mungo was pretty naturalistic, um, especially like the dad. He's just like this quiet Australian, Australian man. It's like, yeah, my daughter's missing. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Uh, and it's 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 so funny. Uh, then later that day, I watched The House of the Devil, the Ty West horror film, uh, which is like shot on 16 millimeter, came out in 2009. Just misses our window, but that was fucking dope. Uh, Greta Gerwig's in it, just yeah, pop- randomly, it, just for like a second, I, and she's. It, 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 wait, so, correct me if I'm awesome. wrong. Isn't Lena Dunham? No, 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 no okay. Lena Dunham. Yeah. That I would have turned see. it off. If that was the case. No, I'm joking. joking. <laughs> but you got Tom Noonan, your guy. Yes, love Tom. And he's great. I don't think Tom Excellent. Noonan. No, it's just like maybe like just one yeah. of those people who are just like if you're in a movie you're almost immediate like he's immediately creepy no matter what um, he does. You know, speaking of Tom Noonan, everyone should go watch his directorial debut on Criterion Channel. What happened was, it's really good. You, I didn't know he directed something. That's yeah, it was in the early '90s, but it it's quite good. It's it's just a you know well, there small you movie. Yeah. Just what a tall king if there ever was one. A very <laughs> tall king. And then last night I watched another kind of found footage film, uh, record, uh, REC, the Rack. Spanish re- record, record, whatever you want to say, <laughs> the Spanish zombie movie, which was also quite good. Yeah, uh, I like that one. Fucking, I, I what, first was trying to watch it on some service that had ads, and I'm like, oh, this is not really a good movie for an ad, ad breaks. Then I'm like, all right, oh, it's $5 on iTunes, I'll buy that. I bought it, and this is like in the middle wow. of, as I'm watching the movie. And, like, I bought it. It was like, all right, I'll just put it on real quick. And it's, like, only in the English dubbed version. And I got super pissed. Ah. And I Googled, like, okay, is, like, the English, is there, like, a, a span like, a subs version of this via, like, online to rent or buy? And it's like, no, it's all English dub. So I just went back to the ad break. And I was just so, like, I spent $5 for this shitty English dub. I was so mad. Mm-hmm. God. I hate to see it. Um, I hate yeah, dubs. Right. Dubs. No more dubs. The only dub <laughs> that should exist is the Porco Rosso one. That's the only one. You haven't. Yeah, that I, has I, Michael I, Keaton playing an anti-fascist yes. pig. I, I like it's some the only... of the uh, Miyazaki dubs. Like I like the Howl's Moving Castle one. And, um, yeah, I mean they're all fine. The, but like the My Neighbor Totoro one has the Fanning sisters, so it's like they're it's good chemistry. True. Yeah, yeah. The, the Miyazaki ones are usually pretty okay, yeah. but like I don't know. I think dubs in general just are bad. Very bad. Um, I, I think the bit of you like saving all the horror movies till after Halloween is very good. Hope you keep it up though. Yeah, I think I might. So, I don't know. Yeah. Like, what else am I gonna do? I, 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 you know, yeah. I feel like that might work. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's that's a good lineup. Nicole Fagan is here. Um, hello. Hello. Lovely to have you. Thank uh, you. You are also going through The Sopranos. Yes, I was going to say that makes two of the three of us who are mid-Sopranos. I'm a little further. I'm on season five, episode five, I think. Not on hiatus. I just watch TV incredibly slowly. Same. Um, Same. Yeah, we're we're (laughs) three of us. Unless it's The Expanse, then I will watch it in a day. That's mm. that's like the one show. Plus, and I know this might be controversial, season four, no spoilers, don't worry, but season four was incredible, and I feel like it wrapped up some things, and season five, well, like, like where it's going, I feel like it's starting a little slowly. So, like, I feel like in every season of The Sopranos, the momentum picks up, but it hasn't really started yes. picking up yet, so we're kind of just in the, we're in the early season five. I'm enjoying it, but there's been, there's been other pressing things on my life, so. 
Because, <laughs> like, every episode has its own insular thing sometimes. And, like, when a season reveals itself as what it's doing, it's like, oh, okay. So I, I get it now. But that doesn't come till Exactly. I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I've been... Has I've it been all been The Sopranos or have so, you been watching other stuff? Um, in terms of TV, it's just been The Sopranos. And uh, then... Two shows I've been watching live. Um, CBS's hit reality television program, Survivor, of which there was an episode tonight, and it was incredible. Um, and then The Great British Bake Off. Uh, but no other shows that like I'm actively watching except for those three. Um, um, I am also watching those live television shows. Um, excellent television it, programs. <laughs> good, good content for the fall, I would say so. And I, I'm going back to California in, in my show that I'm I'm binging right now on Hulu. It's called The OC. Wow. Uh, That's like, awesome. I, w- I was kind of like looking for something with teens in it. I don't know. I, um, I just I just finished <laughs> I'm City, in a teen mood. So I was, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, I was like, I was because like something taking place in the early 2000s that is mm. very, very good is kind of. Sometimes you just like, miss that drama. You're just like, oh, yeah, like television was so, I mean, you know, speaking of The Sopranos, like kind of. A little bit in that era, so I guess like something petty. Just, television was just petty different back then. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm probably I'm probably due for like my fifth rewatch of Degrassi at some point soon. I like kind of ha- once like Survivor's over and like I'm in you know the interim. I like having some TV show I can just put on in the background that requires zero brain cells. And I've seen Degrassi like too many times to count. So I feel like that's another nice like mid 2000s to 2010s trashy teen tv show that is it's both trashy and excellent i'll i'll give it that i'm probably just gonna go back to survivor micronesia oh yeah (laughs) speaking of i was another thing i was watching a lot was just a lot of drake music videos i don't know sometimes i just get in in the middle of like just watch you know like i just want to watch a bunch of music videos from this one person um and the i'm upset video that has all the Degrassi people back in action. With also Ke- Kevin Smith. There, well, look, wow. Ke- Kevin Smith was in Degrassi. He was in like two or three episodes. It's they're called like um, Kevin. Smith. He, he's he's a character in Degrassi playing well playing himself for like did two or three Bob, or five he, episodes. So he's actually did he play like, Silent Bob in the Degrassi. Um, who is isn't it? It's some Jay and Silent Bob. Oh yeah, that's what yeah. the episode's called. Jay and Silent Bob go Degrassi. They like they're like filming a movie at wow. Degrassi for like multiple episodes, multiple seasons. So that's, that's the connection there. But wait, does Degrassi take place in Canada? Yeah. Yep. Canadian high school. I thought. Wait, in Kevin is Kevin Smith Canadian? No, very much from Jersey. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I was like. Weird. He was apparently. I've, I've looked into this. Apparently, he's just like a really big fan of the show, and reached out and was like, "Hey, could I do something?" And they were like, "Yeah, Kevin Smith, sure. Have, you have the come, right number. <laughs> come to our show." Is this so. Kevin Smith? Are you sure you're trying to call Degrassi? Like, is this? The, <laughs> are you sure? That's funny. Yeah. Calls up Matt and Ben. Like, guys, I gotta. Get, <laughs> you're gonna play high schoolers, and it's gonna. Yeah. Um, Have you been watching any movies lately besides The Sopranos, Nicole? Um, Yeah, I watched 14 in October. I I actually just got back. I saw The French Dispatch uh, tonight. Drove an hour away to see that. I really loved it. Oh, yeah, Um, you're doing it. That's good. Yeah, I... I thought it was awesome. I, it's the first Wes Anderson I've ever seen in theaters. 
Um, and I thought that was a fun experience. Um, it's kind of like it's this anthology film, and there were like three main stories. Um, I thought they were all well done. For anyone listening, I thought the third was the best, and then the first, and then the second, but they were all good. It was very, very Wes Anderson, and also kind of felt like a love letter to like a lot of the actors he'd worked with, like the main, main characters, Bill Murray. And in some ways, it kind of felt like, Bill Murray, we don't know how much longer you're going to be on this earth, and we really love you. Here's a movie for you that like right. expresses our love for you. And I actually really liked that. I don't know who knows how intentional that was, but it kind of felt like that at times, um, which I appreciated because we all love Bill Murray in this house. Well, kind um, of like bring it to the movie at hand. I think that the role in The Dead Don't Die kind of feels a similar way, where it's like, oh, it's uh, it's a bit melancholic, and you know, but um, yeah, I, I think both of our, our picks for what we've seen recently uh, show different sides of Sh- Timmy Chalamet too. Like, do you want your Timmy like wet or dry is like the best the big joke right now. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. That's not my joke. I don't want to take, take. Wet or dry no, Timmy. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Damn. Have you done the Timmy double feature with uh, Dispatch and Dune? But... Yeah, not on the same day, though. I have seen Dune. I like the first French Dispatch better than Dune. These are my opinions, which I guess aligns with, like, my filmic sensibilities, given the film we're talking about today. <laughs> and thank you for, uh, for bringing us here. Uh, yeah. let, before we get to Patterson, and we're filming this in Patterson, New Jersey. That rule. It, it'd actually be pretty sick. Um, <laughs> um, how did you get into movies is something we'd like to hear from all of our guests. Yeah, so I definitely was not into movies um, when I was younger. I remember my dad was always kind of into movies. There was always this big joke in a family that, like, if we misbehaved, he was going to force us to watch Lawrence of Arabia, which when you're, like, a nine-year-old girl and you just hear it's, like, this very long movie that was, like, a scary thing. Now, obviously, I still haven't seen the movie but would like to. Um, It really didn't happen until I got to college. Um, and my friends and my current partner um, were all into movies. In fact, Patterson is one of like the first films um, I ever saw. Like within like I feel like the first few months of dating my current partner, um, what did I see? Like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Patterson. Um, I feel like there are a few other key ones, and they kind of aligned with like what my filmic sensibilities were already. The films that I had seen in high school that I liked were like. Goodwill Hunting was my favorite movie for years. Um, I liked Whiplash. I don't know, just these things that were kind of like emotionally hard hitting and like deep character studies I was always drawn to. Um, and then, like, you know, I watched a few movies. I was in this movie club in college, uh, the Brown University Film Forum. Shout out to them, um, where, you know, people just got together and like you'd all name films and buff? they'd go up on a board. Yeah, buff. We were, there was buff. Um, movie buffs. Exactly. It worked out perfectly. Um, so yeah, I just slowly started watching more movies um, from, you know, like when I was in college and didn't have a lot of free time, I think I'd be glad if I got to like five per month. And now I just kind of have like a rotation where I watch, I was going to say voraciously, but then I see like other people who are like, I've watched 50 films this month. It's like, okay, I got to 14 and was proud of that number. Um so yeah, I it was know kind some of... of those people and I still don't get. It. I don't get it. like how like Jesus. I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was just kind of a... about those 50 movies. Like, I... like how how is this? I guess like I listen to like a hundred albums per month, maybe more. So like I guess wow. I get it, but I don't know. Wow. Um yeah, I kind of 
it was it was a slow crawl for I guess both music and movies, but now I feel like my life is just like how much can I consume while retaining and enjoying as much as possible. Anything um, your reading log must be pretty hectic so too. Reading is definitely the one I do the least of because um, I'm a book editor by Not trade. Really. Well, I, so I set my goal this year for 50 books and then midway through the year when I realized I was like 10 books behind, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to read 30 books this year. Um, so I'm on track for 30 books, which to me doesn't feel like a lot. Cause like, I know I've gotten up to like 55 in past years, but at the same time, like again, because I edit books during the day, sometimes the last thing I want to do at night is like time to pick up a book. Um, yeah, right. so I kind of, I really have to force myself to read. I actually, I've put some things into place in my life where I, you know, I have a, new reading chair which is somewhere i can go to read now which is fun but yeah i feel like music is the thing i consume the most of like anywhere from three to six albums a day movies i consume a movie try to like every other day and then books few per month and that's that's my life for y'all are these albums did you read are these all re-listens are they new like um, I probably, uh, like I have kind of like a rotation and, um, one of them, one to two of them is a re-listen. Um, and then the rest of them are new listens. You listen so. to four new albums a day? Sometimes six. Yeah. Wow. This is like really, I, it, it's funny. Like, um, I feel like a lot of the people I've met through the internet are very much like film people, you know, like we talk about right. film Twitter, um, but like, it's, it's odd. I feel like film of like, of like the big, I mean, maybe the big four, what is it like film, TV, music and books, like film might be the last of like, on like my personal priorities. Um, I really feel like a music bitch. Can I curse? Yeah. Yeah. I really feel like a music bitch. <laughs> so, so that's, uh, where do, so how, how do you decide like these are this is, these are the albums I'm listening today cuz I can't even I'm so bad at music I'm so, so bad with it I have a few running lists first off I just have like this massive wish list of like when I see friends listening to things on Spotify um or like I get recommendations I have this list of like 3000 albums that I've just heard of I think, no no these are not what I've heard these just like, <laughs> like a shock face. Three thousand? Well, I haven't heard three. Well, I've, I think I've heard about like a thousand albums, and I have then like a list of three thousand that like I'd like to listen to. So I kind of choose a few from that randomly. I have a few projects going on, so I usually have a discography project going on. I just finished Yola Tango, and now I'm doing the low discography because slowcore is just like a good genre for like the cold months. Um, I go through like a few like you know like the most popular albums of all time that you can right. you know see on like Rolling Stone or whatever and then like, just, yeah. yeah and then I like to find like list of like best albums of all time you know just like right. see what Pitchfork gives tens or whatever so it's kind of I try to listen to stuff that I think I'm going to like I know what genres I like and then I try to listen to things that are important you know I'm not a huge Zeppelin person I'm not huge into some some Pink Floyd I like some I don't but like I think. I think consumption of art, God, here's here's my thesis. Um, I think consumption of art is like partially for enjoyment and partially for like understanding culture and history. Cause like I don't listen to like prog rock because I really think I'm going to enjoy it. It's not something I listen to because I think I'm gonna like return to it again, but it is something I listen to because this is important both in musical history and in culture. Cause I like being able to talk to people about what they like. You know, if someone tells me I'm a Pink Floyd fan, I can say, ah. Oh my god, it's called Dark Side of the Moon, right? So I, because I listen to so much, my music 
brain is like overflowed, but like I can be like, I didn't love the wall, but I like Dark Side of the Moon. Let's talk about it. Um, so that's my that's there my music go. consumption um, process. If what, you I'm what, trying what to. Oh, okay. Um, favorite genres I like, I kind of have, I kind of joke that like my core music taste is like three big genres. I like folk of any era, any kind, indie folk, like classic, you know, um, I like anything that's kind of dreamy or hazy or slow that encompasses like dream pop, shoegaze, slow core, um, neo psychedelia, stuff like that. Um, and then like soul and jazz from the thirties to the sixties. Um, which kind of encompasses like British dance band stuff to like vocal jazz, just jazz, soul, the blues. Um, but that's, those are like the three quartet. There's other stuff too, obviously, but like that's, if someone asked me to like describe my music taste, um, you're pretty solid with like those three genres. That's awesome. I feel like I, I never know how to respond when people ask me like what music I like. I just, I just know, and, and also criticism of music. I never really know how to articulate just since I'm, it's more of a gut response than, than it is intellectual. Like I just, Oh, I do, I do like this artist or, uh, this particular song is really nice, but yeah, my yeah. musical taste is whack. I've already <laughs> talked about this, but it's fucking <laughs> whack. I mean, I love it, but it's just, I like, can remember I a few episodes this summer where we went over this. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, yeah. I, I just listen to the same people a lot. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I try to branch out, but a lot of times I'm just like, let me just listen to Boldy James's Bo Jackson album, like, one more time. Yeah. Uh, maybe but five more times. I think kind of the point of listening to a lot of music for me is to find the stuff that I love. Because I kind of feel like, I'll listen to my albums during the day, but sometimes at night I'll just, like, cue song after song after song after song of, like, the stuff that's on my mind. And then, like, I have kind of seasonal playlists I go through where it's just, like, not stuff that's, like, good for autumn, but, like, I think I've had this playlist going since like September 1st of like the songs I've been obsessing over this autumn. And then I can just like shuffle that. So like, I don't know. I like, Oh, it's good to listen to stuff. You like, it's fun. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's, it's comforting. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. Why you would fall in love with the cinema of Jarmish. It's like, you know, kind of one of those people why like known for making these eclectic soundtracks and having music just be a part of his art consumption, just as much as cinema is. And he's I'm, friends I, with the greatest rap uh, rap group of all time. That's also yeah, for decades like cool they thing. have been. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, who is is it? The Wu Tang. I was gonna say because isn't Method Man's in this right? Yeah, who is Man. yeah? But I was gonna. Many of I know a few of his movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Fun. Obviously, we're talking about Patterson here, but like down by law, the way he uses Tom Waits's music in that unparalleled, just like incredible. And also the. Movies, yeah, the Neil Young score too in Dead Man. Yeah, like he, I, the way he, I always joke that, like, I think, and this is obviously clear about Patterson too. The way Tom Wait, nope, the way Jim Jarmusch makes a movie is he consumes something he likes and he makes a movie about that. It's like he listened to Rain Dogs, uh, by Tom Waits and he was like, What's a movie I can make for like, he's like, What because that that movie he also feels around that, well, it just it, the movie around, yeah. feels like. Like Rain Dogs, and you know, you listen to Neil Young, and Dead Man not only utilizes his music so well, but it straight up feels like some of his music. And so, too, I haven't. Um, so, I own Patterson, the William Carlos Williams book, um, and I'm only. I, I started it like months ago, and just like was not at a time where I had like the um, mental energy to focus on it. But like from what I can tell, Patterson, the film, really honors obviously not only poetry, but like 
what I can tell of Patterson by Willem Car- Carlos Williams. So right, right, and then like Carlos you know, it, it, it's <laughs> completely different when you look at something like uh, Down by Law and it's uh, orchestrated around the Tom Waits soundtrack, and then the Neil Young soundtrack in Dead Man. But then like it, it's all like ambient meditative uh, noises that around limits of control or something something like that so you know it's... also rizza's score for ghost dog like he yeah. Oh, loves yeah it's i mean i i'm a huge wu-tang fan so i mean jim jaramush are in good terms in general <laughs> um ghost dog is like one of my favorite movies before i really so i had seen patterson but um the my the night that my partner and his friends saw Ghost Dog for the first time, they kept joking that after they saw it, they were finally post dog, um, and that before I saw Ghost Dog, I was pre dog, and now I'm finally because I finally saw the movie like two years ago. Um, I am now officially post dog. So I'm gonna hang up the call. Uh, I'm gonna leave. What? What? No. Do you not like the rhyme of ghost and post? Oh, no, I mean I, I appreciate it. Intellectually, spiritually, I'm against it. That's understandable. <laughs> Horace Whitaker is going to come in and like, oh my oh, god, you know, he's so fucking good enough. Yeah. I've really only like listened to Enter the Wu Tang. Like, I, I haven't like explored as much as I really should. But I mean, there, like, I'm not even going to compete with you so at good. this point. Like, 30, yeah. I mean, but yeah, Thirty Six Chambers is just one of the just greatest pieces of art ever made, in my opinion. Of course, and you could get into the new stuff, yeah. but. Honest, but it's more of the branch out. It's like what uh, it's what RZA does after um, Wu Tang. It's what Jizza does, like Liquid it's, Swords. I was just gonna say that's. I just heard Liquid Swords. I think for the first time, like a couple week ago, a couple weeks ago, um, and I really liked it. Method Man's still doing incredible features. Um, a lot of, I mean, they're not necessarily like Ghostface Killer is also like. I mean, there's yeah. I mean, if you just look at what they're doing now and like the, it, it, it's. Like, Wu-Tang as a group, it, you know, I think, uh, of course, like, the, their first album was incredible, and the, uh, the other stuff is really good, too, but it's, I, I don't know, I think it's mostly just the whole tree, the tree mm. of Wu-Tang, whether it be ODB um, in his album, or um, his first album, or, you know, like, just all of the features they do, um, Method Man in general. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm big. I, I enter the Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers is my favorite album of all time. Just I'm, flat out, it's not even close. Like that's just my wow. album. I listen, no, that's awesome. I, that's I, I listen to that's great pick. Bring the Ruckus, um, like an insane amount of times. Cream, mm. um, just so much of their stuff. Um, I can like recite a lot of Method Man. In my head, like the song Method Man, um, the beginning, their skits is also good. I, this isn't about Wu Tang. Uh, do you want to go first on your background with the movie and Jarmusch um, in general? Yeah. So again, I um, I watched this for the first time in the spring of 2017, um, and again, it was one of the first like quote unquote films I had really seen, and it blew me away. Um, I mean, there was so much I loved about it at the time, but like, I think I really just appreciated like the way it loved everyday life. Um, and then college happened and something true about me in college is that I'm only good at writing about things that I love, you know, like at the end of the semester would happen, I have to, you know, write some final paper and I would find a way to spin it about something I loved. So I had written, I wrote three separate college academic papers about, uh, Patterson, um, 
for, I think, like two English classes and a philosophy class. Um, so I've seen it many times. I don't often, I think like many film people, I don't know, um, like I don't watch films a lot just because, again, like I'm trying to get to a lot and kind of unlike music, you know, a movie, I, I don't usually watch more than one movie in a day. Um, so it's tough to get myself to rewatch something. But this, this is maybe the movie I've seen like the most in my adult life. Um, and then... Just the way I watch movies is similar to the way I listen to music, where like once I've seen something by a director, they're kind of on my radar. And then when I go to watch the next thing I want to watch, like their most popular, I look on Letterboxd and see, you know, what's got the most, um, you know, next most views. Um, so I've just seen, I think, like six of his at this point. And when I saw Stranger Than Paradise for the first time, that um, pretty immediately became one of my favorite films and now is my favorite film. Uh, Patterson also, I feel like I didn't say this, but Patterson is what I considered my quote-unquote favorite film for, I think, like the three years between I, when I saw that and then saw Stranger Than Paradise for the first time. Um, so yeah, we've already, like, his style just really works for me. I like the way it is so character-focused um, and the fact that each film really feels like it has this, like, aesthetic center. Um, and this was kind of, it's so funny, this is kind of like the start of my love for films and the start of my love for Jim Jarmusch, and um, it just does a lot that I love that I'm sure we will talk about, and that is yeah. my little journey with Patterson. That's awesome. I love that story. That, that's like the catalyst for, it's like the center of everything. Quick question. Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, when you started dating your current partner, um, that you that Patterson and the other movies Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. When did you see that in your relationship? Eternal, I mean, Eternal Sunshine. Was, oh, was... Um, straight up month one, like a re- wow. straight in. And I so at the time, the I think the first movie I showed him, um, I was really into musicals when I was um, in like late high school. Well, pretty much my whole life. I grew up on Long Island, so um, I think the first movie I showed him was The Last Five Years which is, an, like, it's not the greatest movie or musical, but it's another, like, heart-wrenching, like, uh, a heartbreak breakup movie. Like, that and Eternal Sunshine, I feel like, happened within, like, a week of wow. each other. Um, so, and we made it through that in month one, so, yeah. <laughs> it was all a test. Yeah, I feel like showing Eternal Sunshine to someone you've just met is... is an incredibly risky but paid off move. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then right after was Blue Valentine. It's like, yeah, I still haven't. Seen, I actually tried to watch that like a year later, and I just haven't haven't gotten through that yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's that's like understandable. Um, mm-hmm. As as for myself, I oh my god, this movie means it means so much to twenty sixteen me. Uh, I sought this out. Um, here oh gosh who talked about this um i think it was the crew on what the flick on online and i would always like go every friday or every weekend to see what they would have to say about new releases and this one just seemed like nothing i'd ever ever heard before in 2016 when i was starting to get into smaller films and and it's like that's it It just drives a bus that's it and um yeah and the way that uh christy lamira alonso duraldi and William Bibiani would, would talk about it. it was like, wow, this is like actually engaging and they, they make it sound so much better than what what's written on paper. Um, and I sought this out, I think not soon after it hit Amazon Prime because like, I, 
I don't think I I was like, Mom, can you take me to see this movie about a bus driver? <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I was I was there yet to to like be that outspoken. Um, yeah, and it, it's like it just sang to me. It just like everything was just so calming and, and soothing. And in 2016 was like I'm sure we'll we'll again we'll get into this. Like, take a shot every time you hear someone say that. But it's like 2016 was like a pretty rough year for for many of us. And it's like this was like something we we desperately needed towards the tail end um and yeah and it's just like this like blew me away and i was instantly getting to more jim charmish around this time like you say stranger than paradise and i was like instantly brought back to that time when i saw it on filmstruck like it, it just like i had never seen movies being made like this um and then i saw only lovers left alive uh ghost dog like we mentioned uh, down by law dead man um, and, and like, you know, this was all like 2016 going into 2017. I, I can't recall the exact dates, um, when I logged them, it was, it was just like, yeah, like I totally get what he was doing. Like I was never off put by anything, um, that he has mind on. Like, I like, I like the idea that you kind of took these strangers, these people that were on, on a journey to somewhere, but their reason for going to the destination was sometimes unclear. I loved that. I loved mm -hmm. seeing travelers that you would look on a plane or a train and just like, let's look at their story for a little bit. And I love the vignette storytelling. It was, it just, I don't know. It all, it all worked. And I loved how, like, how idiosyncratic it was. Cause like people could try to imitate auteurs, but it's like, especially with Jarmusch here, I feel like it was never, you can never really um, signify like their exact approach and yeah it means the world i i love like the big poofy hair and the sunglasses like, yeah. <laughs> he's just the coolest guy cool the coolest um <laughs> I, I miss film truck too <laughs> so <laughs> i feel like that's wait, that's all what, what's really, to... wait why is he related to film truck no i i just saw like down by law and stranger Pen in paradise so like a bunch of oh I see I see, I see I see i see i see i see yes um and then permanent RIP. vacation, I think, I'm on there too. Um, yeah. so I don't really remember. Who, I I think that really the only reason I saw. Well, I mean, it was getting good reviews, but I saw this in 2017. It was, I think it's a, released by Amazon. I think we should like that was because 2016 for Amazon. Like, that was also their their big year into like being a studio with The Handmaid and and Manchester by the Sea. I, I thought this was one of the first like Amazon Studios films I remember seeing. And granted, yeah. like I, again, I was not really watching movies like 2016. And then I'm pretty really sure Chirac was a long time too. Sorry, yeah. mm. that was 2015. Chirac was. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also, like it was, it was also like like a month or two after Jarmusch came out with the documentary about the Stooges, and it's like, wow, you really like pumped that one out pretty fast. But, <laughs> um, so it looks like I watched it in August of 2017. I don't know why I was like. This is the time. Uh, I just know that at that Jack has definitely been like he was the moment he saw it, he's been championing that film, and so I, I he told me a lot about it, and he always wanted to recommend it to me. Um, critics were pretty high on it. I Adam Driver, twenty seventeen. He I mean he was just only getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Um, uh, and In so every just, way. Yeah. yeah I, Sorry, I'm, I'm like you can't drop Let's be real. Let's be real. And this may be his hottest role. Um, well, okay. Um, in 2016, this was again like 
we'll get into this, but it's like you had midnight special and silence in this on in this all in the same year. Like that's that's the like, complete range. And that's not right even there. his like, best year. That's yeah, crazy. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, following up twenty seventeen with like more bangers, you know. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Last Jedi and um, Logan Lucky too. Right, Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, it's he's. It, I love how it. It's kind of def, kind of defies the mind. How and even like in twenty twenty one, like Annette and Ridley Scott twice. <laughs> ah, insanity! Insanity. Yeah, Marriage Story in twenty eighteen. I mean, we've talked about Driver a lot, but twenty eighteen uh, or no twenty nineteen is Marriage. Twenty nineteen. We. Story. I mean, we've done Francis saw the Star Wars movies and they, like that big part in Meyerowitz, but it's it's like we can't emphasize it enough. Like it's an insane run. It's insane. Klansman. Oh Alan yeah. Young, the report. Um. Yeah, his twenty nineteen was a roller coaster because you had the report, which is a very good movie. Uh, Marriage Story, very good movie, and then you have Rise of Skywalker, which is a what? <clears throat> I don't. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, I had something in my throat. Um, and that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, he auteur run for sure. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Because the thing is, before this run, he wasn't like working. <laughs> like, I mean, not really. Like, I mean, well, he, you know, I mean, he have, spent in... seven, like seven, no, uh, like uh, five years with girls. Like, he was. Like, he just did yeah. girls and like a few uh, Bumbach films. Yeah. yeah. Lincoln, he was in, and I don't. I, I honestly. Jagger. Who that was he in Lincoln? Part? I I mean, I like, couldn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was Lincoln. Uh, yeah, he was Lincoln. Actually. He'd be a good Lincoln. He's very tall. That's my pitch. That's all. Actually, I was, that's that's I was my whole pitch. Is that he's very tall. Jeremy Strong was in Lincoln. Like, oh my, wow, that's crazy. Oh yeah, Bob Od- uh, Bob Odenkirk, Walton Goggins, like every character actor you can think of was in Lincoln. That's why that movie is good. It's because it's character actor. Um, all the all the white character actors just having a ball. Um, is that going to be our first Spielberg we do? You think? <laughs> I don't know. I'm. A, I you know me. I'm a big bridge of spies head. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, true. I'm, I love those bridge. I love those bridges of the spies. You know. But really, I, I think we need to figure out what's the, what's the deal with this BFG. I think <laughs> this, big, this big fucking guy. Fucking guy. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Yeah. So I don't know. Like 2017, I guess was just the time I needed to watch Patterson finally and make up my mind. I loved it then. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that was still at a time when I was, like, I was hit or miss on those movies because I was still, you know, I was 17 years old, so I was still kind of just, like, getting... And I was just getting into film. What 17-year-old like, superheroes like? were my favorite... Superheroes was my favorite kind of movies back then, and it's just like, oh, so, like, I, 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 I didn't have a cultured palette yet, but I was still watching these movies. I was still watching movies, like, classics and stuff like that just so I could... Like, that, you, like you were saying earlier, Nicole, about, like, having... Um, your uh, like your pal your your history um, covered and your like culturally important films uh, covered. Um, even though I liked it, uh, most of, I mean, I liked pretty much everything I was watching. Um, but I, there are still films though that I, I were like I don't get this, you know, just like I I can I don't I'm not on the wavelength. I don't understand the greater meaning. It's just him doing random shit for two hours or whatever. Um, but yet, I really dug this one the first time I saw it, which is surprising, especially during the rewatch. I'm like, why was 17-year-old me so into this movie? Because it is very much like, it's distant in a sense of like what it's, 
I mean, I don't know. There's just not a lot that actually happens. There's like almost no plot. I think it might be its lack of ambiguity. Like it doesn't come to you and and it's like, well, what do you think? I guess like you can say the final scene is a little ambiguous, but I I see it as more of an observation piece than like a a piece to decipher. And I think maybe I'm just, I'm psychoanalyzing you, but it's like, maybe that's why you are like, you were attracted to it a little bit more than maybe you were expected to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, because I remember so much during that time, it's like, oh, you know, I, I mean, this was fine, but I don't get, like, just so, that was my opinion on so many films, because I've just, I was just kind of pushing the limit on what I could, like, watch, because I'm just like, well, people like this, and so I must watch it because of that. Um, and, uh, no, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting to just watch it now and just be like, oh, yeah, no, this is, like, t- this is, a, it's not inaccessible, it's not, like, um, I don't know. It's not like Spring Breakers or anything where I'm just like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Like, are you kidding me right now? But also, like, um, you know, like, if you want to take it a step further, if you saw Spring Breakers at a time in your in your life when you were just getting a film and being like, I don't know what I do and don't like, then maybe Spring Breakers you would be way more turned off with than the time you did see it. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, you know but, I mean? like yeah. now Spring Breakers is like, I think it's one of, I mean, it's one of the best movies of the decade. But best also, movies like, of all time. Yes. Yeah, and it's also like spring break forever, most, bitches. Maybe the I, most Amer- uh, American film ever made in the mm. sense of it, its portrayal of America, um, the heart of our country is that fucking movie. This um, is not the also this... Gucci Mane. Gucci <laughs> Mane is also in. I've this is not a the... lot of Gucci Mane lately. I've been lo- listening to a lot of his, his new albums are pretty good ever since he got out of prison. <laughs> This is not the point of what we're talking about, but I just need to throw uh, into the mix of most American film of all time, First Reformed. I think it's the most mm-hmm. American film ever made on account of how it uh, portrays our current place in the universe. Right. Anyways. Well, somebody has to do something. Breakers does take the religion out of it. I mean, not, there's, there's not a lot of re- religious context in that movie. Um, I think maybe there's some like gold, mm-hmm. gold crosses or whatever. Like, That's um, more for the aesthetic than anything else. That's true. Yeah, look yeah. at my shit. Look at my mm-hmm. shit. We gotta make a priority to have you back for first form. That's that's definitely like that. That's I mean, like if if, if Patter's like first form might be like my second favorite movie of all time. Yeah, but like just great stuff. What a picture! <laughs> right. what, a picture. What, a, what a film! Have you seen the card counter yet? I have. Uh, not as good. Uh, I thought it was uh, interesting politically, but kind of messy filmically. It, yeah. I feel like it it's was. Nasty. But I also think like COVID like definitely disrupted like the the flow mm. since it was like shut down. But yeah, I know. I, I, yeah. I it's definitely messy. I'm still like I it's like especially I've that third about. act with Defoe and Isaac. Like okay, this is really <laughs> like the restrictions are in full display. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it's just kind of like came I off. I kind of fucking love yeah, it. But... Yeah, like I feel, I still kind of like fucking love that. All... I mean. It's my favorite movie of the year, even though how messy it is, and it's just because, and, and it's mostly because I, it's the film I've been thinking about the most, and it's not even close. I think about that movie maybe every day. Yeah, I, I think that. I think old is still up there for me. I gotta be honest. They're uh, fucking old, man. They just get old on that beach. It's crazy. My number uh, one of the year is The Green Knight so far, but that that's where my that's where my my feelings are um yeah this this year's three good good movies how can i need to catch it though i'm so behind i uh 
I was going to briefly, when you uh, talk about psychoanalyzing younger clay, um, I was like, I could, I, I feel like, I feel like my initial reaction to Patterson had a lot to do with like what I was thinking and feeling and stuff at the time. Cause like I, since I was a young little high schooler, I was very into like absurdism and Camus and Sartre, specifically like, you know, the stranger and nausea and just like this notion that like, not only that, like, we don't really matter, but that like life is about like the acceptance of one's own not mattering. And like, I kind of, I used to have very lofty goals as like a middle schooler. And I kind of got rid of all of those by high school. Cause I was like, these lofty goals are making me miserable and kind right. of like, was like, I would actually like to live a very small and forgettable life. Um, my feelings on that have developed over time, but like, especially at the beginning of college, I was still very much in that mindset of like, um, the best thing I could do for myself and for others is to live a very small, positive impact life. I like really did not want to mean anything grand. And I think what drew me so much to Patterson, I, I think now I think I'm able to recognize a lot of like the things I like with its filmmaking and its storytelling. But like, I think I didn't have a lot of that vocabulary then. So what drew me to it was just like, I see myself. I think it, like, you know, some of my favorite movies, I think started with, I see myself here. And then like a lot of other stuff follows. The same thing happened to me with Frances Ha. When I first saw it, I was like, ah, she's annoying in all the same ways I'm annoying and anxious in all the same ways I'm anxious. Um, so I think Patterson was very beautiful to me because like it's doing so much, but also on its very surface level, it's a movie about a dude doing regular stuff. Um, and like the movie clearly finds Patterson's life beautiful. And it felt just a little bit like, ah, I too can find my very little life, my very small little life beautiful. Um, and like among the things it is doing, I think it is kind of like a very life affirming film about like life, you know? So those are my like very initial, I feel like reasons why it, um, like just immediately took me. It was like, this is favorite film of all time material. And I think also what drew me to like, want to think about it academically, you know, like there were movies I had loved, but like I, I still love Goodwill Hunting, but never wrote a paper about it because I didn't think there was like, there wasn't that much I had to dissect. I pretty much knew why I loved Goodwill Hunting. But like, once I loved this, I was like, okay, what more is going on here besides just movie makes me feel good. And, And turns out there is a lot more, which was nice to find out. I think it's pretty obvious to say this shouldn't work. This, this has no right to, to be as sincere as it is. And there's a lot of crisis averted. I found like mm. what always what saying to me, um, you could, you could be like, you know, Patterson like gets upset with Laura or he beats up Everett or the, he freaks out with the bus being broken down. But there's, there's so many times when you're like, that should not have gone as smoothly as that did. And mm-hmm. and you're just kind of have this sigh of relief. And really the only time that any emotion is expressed is when like Marvin rips up the book of poems. And it's, and it's more, I I've always seen it as Patterson coming to, and especially in the final scene, Patterson comes to this realization that the poems are only supposed to, to live in that moment like yes it would be nice to have the book of them and like maybe he does end up publishing or he reflects on them and reads them to laura but that those those were the poems for that day that that time that he was just getting ready to pull the bus out of the station it was just you know it was just quick thoughts it was all momentary and and that's like he doesn't like marvin then but it's like he's he's thankful to have them at all and i, I love 
I love in the in the movie that it's these things are just narrowly av- avoided, and it's it's you can almost read it as idealistic, but it's there's a sense of idealism and realism to it as well. It's like we avoid little things every day, but also things go wrong, and that's okay. And like things enough things have to go wrong in order to go right, and I think Patterson likes that. Mm-hmm. And even like even in that scene, I feel like. Patterson himself doesn't really get upset. Laura gets very upset, but like, I mean, there are subtleties because Adam Driver is an incredible actor that I feel like show that he's upset, but like, he doesn't freak out. The one who's more upset is Laura, um, which is just, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I feel like because she, yeah, I feel like he, Patterson even knows in that moment that it doesn't matter that much that the poems are gone. It matters more to Laura because she wanted to see them, which is understandable from a character perspective. Um, uh, but yeah, like he is, he's a very takes life as it comes kind of guy, which is nice to see. Because um, I feel like most most characters in anything, I think, are a little bit more active, and it was nice to see him be a little bit like to see a character more passive. Yeah, and before I forget to say it, but like Gold Sheep Farhani is is sensational in this. Like I, I remember she was in some uh, Asghar Farhani stuff, like um, uh, the Salesman in a Separation, I think, in, in, uh, about Ellie, and it's like. Oh my god! What a performer! Just like <laughs> completely different mode in this. And I was like, "What?" I, I think I may have seen those in a film class around the time I saw Patterson and recognized her. And it's like, like nothing could go, could have gone more right for me when I saw this. Um, yeah, also, she's the first time I first saw Barry Shabaka Hendy. Like, ah, oh! <laughs> <laughs> great, Bar- Like, and he's incredible. I mean, I don't know. I think. I feel like every character actor is just dying. Like, when do I get to play the, uh, when do I get to play a bartender? When do I get to play a bartender? Uh, I think, cause it's, it can be such a great role for any character actor and he fucking thrives in it. Like, mm-hmm. just like the perfect kind of bartender you want in a movie. Um, yeah. And he really reacts well. What other great Adam actor do I get to guys... banter with? Is the other thing. <laughs> right, right. And he also really works well with Adam because it's like, like you guys have been saying, Adam, like, you know, Patterson himself is a very passive character in this film. And Barry Shabaka Henley in almost any film he's ever been in is the uh, opposite of He's passive. a reactor. He's like the, yeah, yeah. He is, oh my God. He, he He's involved in every, like, I, I've rewatched the scene of him in Collateral when he's oh talking God. to Cruz at that table. I rewatched that scene at least twice a month. I know everything <laughs> there is to know about Miles Davis. <laughs> it's, oh, he, I mean, he's so, I mean, anything he's ever been in, Barry Shabaka Henley is always just the best. Um, also, yeah. the, one of the greatest names in general, so. Uh, <laughs> There's but, that moment yeah. in that scene where his face just, like, drops. Like, he's excited to have, like, Max and Vincent there, but then it's just, like, the realization kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> he has the best face dropping in the game I, at any time mm-hmm. because I feel like I've seen that so much like in that collateral scene when he realizes he's about to get murked the way his face drops is like incredible it's like yeah. it, it's like his whole body is reacting to yeah. like a one like just in a millisecond just and like, he's so confident he got that question right when it's like Vincent screws oh but all yeah it, it, but it, ah. it, when his wife comes in you just see his face, and he's just like, "Holy fuck!" He just, it just it is whole. The whole atmosphere of the scene changes by him just twi- like by his face. It almost like when you when you rem- like remember it, or when you try to picture back to it 
in your mind it you feel i, I for me it's like i physically i physically see or i see him physically dropping his face instead of it just like you know it's not just like uh a reaction it's like it feels so like pivotal to me when just re- reading it back in my mind just like he just it's almost like his head actually drops down or something because mm-hmm. that's because it's so effective um yeah i i i think I think those kind of, I think the whole, how much this movie's populated by characters was also something I just kind of drawn into and how pleasant everyone is to each other. I'm always, I'm, a, I'm a nice core kind of guy. I, I'm, I love nice. Nice is my favorite thing. Um, like, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fucking Ted Lasso fan. I'm, I, I'm all those things. I'm, I'm, I'm the corny nice guy who likes when people are nice to each other. Um, and so I think this film is speaking to me on that level for sure. And people interacting in so many different other, like, so many different character reactions in general from so many different people. And it's like, and Patterson just being the, like, just being there to witness it all. Mm. Um, I think it all spoke to me. And, it, 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 you know, slice of life is used a lot when describing films, especially anything independent um, or drama related. Um, but this is, like, probably the pinnacle of slice of life filmmaking for me. Um, cause one, it's not, I, 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 I don't, I'm not a big fan of slice of life when it become when it becomes so literal in the sense mm-hmm. of, oh, it's legitimately just like his life. Like, and there's no like real creative flair behind it. Like this, the spiritual stuff when it comes to twins and dreaming and coincidences, I think is like, that's what I want in my slice of life films. Something more than just like, it's him going to the supermarket or whatever. Right. Like some, yeah. some real, why do we have to subject. observe this person out of anybody? Right. Well, I, and it's I, not like it, it's dreamlike almost. I have a thought about that. If I can throw throw this out, um, this is my. I'm curious what y'all will think because this is my. This is. I think this is my ultimate thought about the film. This is this is what I've come to through years of study and thought. Because I've wondered, like, okay, I've I, I spent a long time thinking like Patterson's just like this passive man. He goes through life, um, and he's not an actor. He, um, you know, he is a. He, he's a he's a liver or whatever um but then i'm like okay but the film is a thing of action so like why would the film be interested in someone who does nothing and i actually think that like patterson is like this microcosm of the film itself because like what patterson is doing is he is living but he is like actively observing and like writing down like this film would not be the same if he was not a poet i think that is like obviously like this film is in many ways a love letter to poetry it has Oh, like Rod, I don't remember the, the poet's name, but like it has that real, that real life poet's poems in here. Um, and like it just adds so much complexity to his character. But I feel like the core thing about him is that he doesn't just like live this small life, but he takes note of it. And I actually think the thing, like those coincidences you were mentioning, um, like the twins and stuff, like maybe there were that many twins he saw in real life anyways. But now that Laura has mentioned it, he's noticing it. I yeah. think that this is a film that is noticing Patterson's noticing things. Um, right. And like, it almost to me feels like a love letter to like the art of looking or like the art of like observing and noting, not just, present. yeah, not just like existing. Cause I don't think Patterson is a man who just like life passes him by He's like actively watching. And this goes to what you were saying, Jack, that like the poems, what matters is that they happened. I think the reason that it doesn't matter that the old poems got ripped up, it's because it doesn't matter that he's created this art. I think to Laura, it matters that he's creating poems that could be read, that could exist in the future. But really what mattered is that he wrote them, that like he he 
he was uh, he was taking note of something in the moment, and that like the thing that happened was not that he wrote a poem, but the thing that happened was that he like observed his own life, and I just find that so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's say they they run out of um, Idaho blue matches one day, and their their box is empty, but that doesn't mean that the poem lost its meaning or like their love that the matches were supposed to represent lost its meaning ever because it's like um the the dream that laura has in the very beginning about twins has always read to me like patterson has to make a copy of the poem book like oh shit i hadn't even thought of that yeah huh Um, that's interesting and so like patterson has always funneled create like poems through his like life through his art right but it's like um, Laura kind of like does the opposite. And I've always loved that. Like she funnels art through her life. It's, mm. like, yeah. Like I like how all the, <laughs> I love like the, the observations, like he'll just make about her every day. Like the technique about the icing on the cupcakes or like the circles on the, the drapes, like, oh, it's, it's, it's good stuff. You can't buy Ohio blue tip matches anymore, by the way. I have searched really? the internet. Um, because first off, there were there were strike anywhere matches, which are largely don't exist. Um, and on on Etsy for a little bit, someone was selling the old um, like matchboxes um, for like an absurd price. Um, and I really thought about buying one. I was like, oh, just to own this, to put my own matches in the Ohio blue tip matches box. And then I was like, okay, I'm just trying to. If Patterson's taught me anything, it's not to try to replicate someone else's life, but to live my own. So I've given up on that dream of trying to find that specific brand of matches. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's, that's, that's interesting about the... I never even thought about how she dreams of twins mm-hmm. and then wants him to replicate his poems. I always... I always yeah, again, I always took that as, like, um, we notice things in our life once they've been mentioned let me articulate that better um yeah like i think it seems like there was a dream about the twins and then he starts seeing a lot of twins when i think the seeing a lot of twins could have been happening even before the dream that like maybe there were a lot of twins maybe there just always are that many twins but he didn't notice them affirmation after that exactly he didn't notice them until someone you know until twins were on the brain it's like you know you're blinking all the time you're not thinking you don't realize you're blinking until you're thinking about blinking um (laughs) that kind of thing. Um, like once you notice something, once you're bound to keep noticing it. And I'm pretty sure Everett comes to the bar with his girl troubles. And that's right before, like you, you see those two strangers talking about the girl that he finds attractive. And then like the story cuts out right when it gets good. And and so I think it's, it, there's some mirroring there. It's like, oh, well, you know, Patterson, and the things he sees on the bus is sort of like the day he had and he's telling Laura, Laura about it, but it's only like we're seeing it. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like, they ask each other, like, how was your day? And it's like, Oh, I was good. And I saw, um, I saw these two guys on the bus and they were talking about girls. And it's like, that's we're just, but we're just seeing it. That's how I've always interpreted the vignettes too. Um, mm. and yeah, so it's like more mirroring about like things going on in Patterson's day have, I, I, they're poetic, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Man. I want to kind of, I don't know, that you, you, we, we brought something up earlier um, about the idea that he's not, like, you know, he's not letting life pass by. 
um, he's very much in the present, and that's like the more out, you know, like he, the, there's a reason why he doesn't have a phone on him. There's a reason why, like, he's like the pretty, world word. Like, I don't think there's a them. television in the house or yeah. whatever, and you don't see him wa- look at a computer screen at all. Um, I think it's really interesting to uh, see someone so present in current society when everyone's somewhere. Every like you know, whether we're on Twitter, we're on our phones, we're texting, we're on you know what what we're somewhere at some point, but we're almost never present. So that's like that real like it, you know it, it's really I don't think jealousy or envy, but you know you respect it when you see it, um, and when in reality and in film or whatever. Um, but it is interesting how much focus there is on that watch when you feel like when you feel like he is present, but life does pass him by. There, are, like the way we transition a lot through time is through seeing the watch, like physically, just like fast mm. forward. Um, but it doesn't seem to bother him. For me, that gives me anxiety. Seeing that, seeing the you know the clock just go by so quickly because I'm like, oh fuck, what have I not done? Where, you know, like, what, what what have I yet to accomplish? The day's already done? Fuck, I didn't get this done, I didn't get that done. But he's just like, yeah, that's whatever, cool. At the right. end, you know, it's like, I'm going to go get a beer. <laughs> like, is but this it, is it, this it, the it, beginning it, of Synetic in New York, where it's like, you <laughs> wake up one day and you're 42, and it's like, oh my... Right, oh, good, good but he, he doesn't care about that. He's not, yeah. he doesn't have those, like, he's, like, he admires the watch. He likes it. He It keeps him focused. It keeps him tethered. Right. And, and even that one day, like it's Thursday or Friday where you wake up and he's like 15 minutes late. Like you would think like, oh, gotta go, Laura. I gotta go. <laughs> but no, he just wakes and like walks over and it's like, oh, your magic watch didn't wake you up like he usually does. And it's like, yeah, it didn't, but I'll make my way over there. Like the bus will be driven. And I think that's, that's just, uh, for me, it's, it's, I think the admiration comes from how easy it is, how, how mm. easy it is, but yet we become anxious and become unnerved by, by like letting go of technology or just letting the ray of sunshine hit our face, and that's what wakes us up. Like we need a sound to blare at us, right? So. Well, I think a question like sometimes I have about Patterson is like whether it presents a realistic or like an idealistic view of life. Because like you know, I've been on the internet since I was a child. Like even if even I if I yeah, yeah. yeah, like even yeah. even if. I got rid of all of everything. Like a support like, group for people who have been on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, which is pretty much just everyone of our generation and, and younger generations. But, like, even if I got rid of all of it, that'd be a very different life for me than what Patterson lives. Because he's obviously, he's, like, slightly older. And it doesn't, you know, like, he's never had a smartphone, it seems. Um, and, like, with his line of work, you know, like, he... It's just, like... But he doesn't even have, like, a prepaid phone. That's what killed me was just, like, he doesn't even have, like, a Cricket Wireless whatever. Like, it's not even, he doesn't even have, like, a flip phone. He's just completely Just straight up out there. Don't talk to me if I'm not in front of you. But, like, I think, I think I can, you know, I'm jealous of that life, but at the same time wonder how, like, not, like, how realistic it is, because clearly there are still people now who also don't have any social media, probably don't really use a phone. Um, but, like, it almost makes you wonder, like, to to succeed or to exist in our modern society, like, do you need any of these things? Like, is this presenting a life that, like, if I decided right now, I'm just going to live like Patterson, going to get rid of all my stuff, going to, gonna you know, do whatever. Um, like, is that even possible for anyone but Patterson? Like, I, I think it makes me admire his character more. Um, like, not like, not like him as a fictional character, but, you know, like his 
his character as a person. Um, because I think he has the kind of resolve that that works for him in the way that I think it's not that I want, I don't want to have the life that Patterson has, but sometimes I want to be the kind of person who could have the life Patterson has. I don't think I'm meant for that. Mm -hmm. I'm not made for that. I just like, that's not the way I've been wired, but like, it's interesting to see this character who genuinely, you know, I don't think there's a moment of the film where you wonder, does he, does he want to be doing something else? I think the, the choice of him being a bus driver is first off a great like narrative decision just because, you know, he gets to see various people. But like, I think that's a job that your average person might be like, who wants to be a bus driver? Clearly he's dissatisfied. He seems perfectly happy and, you know, like not like content, but genuinely loves that job. I think that would be blasphemy to some people. Like, you can't love being a bus driver. Nice elitism. <laughs> but like, I think it's just, yeah, it's, He's a very specific kind of person, and I think it's it's just beautiful. Everything about this film is beautiful. And, That's my conclusion. And it took me to this this time around to realize Patterson loves strangers. He loves oh my God. hearing people talk about themselves without asking them. Right, and he mm-hmm. has a front row seat, and I and I think when you find someone or something that's inspiring, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean to me that you need to be a perfect cut of that of that image but it's it's more patterson's contempt that i i really i really love it's it's just his ability to to realize different the differences in other people and accept that and love that um because like he could have gotten you know just like to reemphasize my point from earlier he could have like really gotten in in that person's face who like shouts at him for for locking up Marvin? Like it's gonna get dog napped, and you're gonna be like, "Well, I don't think so." I, I don't know. Like it's, he's just like sort of accepting, like, "Yeah, maybe I should be a little bit more protective of of our dog." And um, it's really it's funny though because because like I bet Donnie, uh, I just thought of this. Like Donnie, <laughs> I bet hates being the bus bus station manager. Like that's someone who's like, uh, I got all these problems and. I, I I have no solutions like things like I only have this much money for an income and it's like, it, it and, and he realized, response is more also, just like oh I'm okay right and yeah. Donnie realizes also like one time like you know he can't even connect with Patterson on a level on a, like a individual level anymore like he's like it's fine I don't like there's a point where he just stops complaining because he's like you just don't get it and that's not like to his death it's not like insulting it's just like we just don't live life the same way. And I also, I also don't think the film like hates or dislikes Donnie or like even thinks that like he's a bad guy in, in many ways. I almost feel like I've, I've started to love this film more the less I've connected with Patterson. Cause again, I think, I, I very I mean, like, I love all these slice of life movies going back to music. Like, I feel like my favorite kind of music is very kind of like just slow and dreamy and exists in a way that I cannot exist. Cause I feel like I'm very, hyper and moving constantly all at once um and i feel like for a long time i loved patterson because it was like this is this is how i would like to live if i could do this this is how i'd like to figure it out and i've kind of accepted no i can't like i whatever's going on with me there's just no way this could ever be my life Mm -hmm. um but i feel like i've been able to then like take a step back and realize like it's I don't know the things that that's, that work for this film outside of just like being like a guide to life. It's much. I feel like it's much more than that. I mean, it also is kind of that because again, like if I could snap my fingers and be like him, I mean, maybe there are advantages, but at the same time, I'm not, and that's yeah. that's good too. Because yeah, I, I, there are all these people like 
movers and shakers, like the anarchists on the bus, or like even you know, um, it's ever yeah Everett. Like I mean, obviously Everett's like a character who's got his problems going on, but I also don't feel like the movie hates Everett. He's a guy trying to figure it out. Even the people, him and Donnie, they're all the. Everyone in this movie is just a guy trying to figure it out. Uh, the bartender, too. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I like that. Exactly. I like that even though Patterson is our protagonist, I feel like it doesn't like unilaterally say, this is what you should be doing, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about, it, it's all about like, you know, hey, whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's also like Patterson's point of view too. It's like he's never dismissive of, like, it, if when someone's using you know um, uh, the guy that approaches him via the car, um, talking about his dog. You know, he's using a lot of street slang, and he's not dismissive of that use that vocabulary or the way he's talking. He doesn't. I mean, he makes me one joke, like you know, like one joke at the end, like you know, I hope you don't get dog napped or whatever to Marvin, but or like I hope you don't get dog jacked. Um, but he's he, he interacts with people on an individual level, which is something I feel like we all aspire to. Is that we don't we don't give preferential treatment and we don't like try to make other people feel unwelcomed or like an outsider or different. We try to eat, in, in, interact with everyone at, at, at on their level. Um, and because but you wouldn't describe when you know watching this, you wouldn't describe necessarily Patterson as an extrovert, but he's very much likes people. He very much likes to be around people. He's not like a party animal, and he doesn't talk a lot. But he's very much—he very much likes to be in the middle of it. Um, yeah, he likes to exist in our society, exist amongst people, um, see conversations, see relationships form, um, see you know, hear other people's perspective and uh, experiences, um, and listen to everyone else's thoughts and feelings on things. Um, very much like a considerate person. I mean, that comes in his poetry. I think feel like poets in general have to have some kind of compassion. I don't think there's a lot of like poets who just like despise humanity. I mean, maybe like you know Poe or whatever, but like <laughs> people who need who like that's just not one of the poets who is going to really succeed or get far in, in whether it be in, like in the legacy of poetry or just individually. It's like you don't hear you know, usually poetry is a celebration of life, a celebration or an expiration. At the very least, but you know, a celebration of people, and our you know whether it be you know Emerson talking about our nature, or you know like people, or just like you know William Carlos Williams, are you know just talking about his city. It, it, it's a celebration of something. It's usually not like a con- contemptual or like um, hateful or aggressive. It's, you know, you're trying to celebrate something when you write, when you write poetry, at least. Um, And Jermish goes out of his his way to show everyone having their poetry. Like, you know, uh, Barish Baka Henley, just, I I think that comedy is this thing, like with, uh, the, uh, Abe and Louie whole deal on, on the wall of fame of Patterson. Like, like he just funnels his love of, of his city through through his bar and like serving everyone like that's that's his thing and like not every not everyone doesn't have their thing figured out but what makes you you like it's a movie that kind of revels in that idea um yeah i have a 
it's something that I've I want to ask you too about because I feel like my favorite part of the film is like that penultimate scene. We'll get there. Oh, okay. Well, what's the what's the question? Well, because I wanted to ask. So I um, can I talk about it now, or is that forbidden? No, that's fine. No, if it's a question, if, yeah, that's fine. That's Forget fine. I said it was my favorite part of the film. And let me just let me just open a question. I, I said I nothing. Mean to like come off as <laughs> you're good. So I had a question for you too. Um, what did you? So that penultimate scene when he's talking to that Japanese man on the bench, um. And I've always been moved by, excuse me, aha. Uh-huh. I don't, I mean, somewhere in my brain there's thoughts, um, but I've always been moved by that expression and have never been able to articulate it either aloud or even in my thoughts. Curious if you have thoughts, because like that whole conversation I find beautiful, um, but like poetry and translation is like uh, in the, being in the, taking a shower and with a raincoat, but just that final, excuse me, aha, do either of you have thoughts and you can articulate them to me? It's a total, it's a, it's such a showy, I mean, not a show, not in a bad way, but it's a total just like, yeah, like it's like a, it, it, man, I don't know how to describe it. It's like in basketball after you posterize someone and you look at them and you're like, yeah, I fucking did that. In a way that is, and that sounds like really aggressive when it's this very gentle man, but he, you know, he knew from the, from the fucking start that he was a poet. He like, he just felt it in his bones and he just like, and you could tell that he's like, oh, you're a bus driver. Okay. He's the only other poet that he's met in the movie. That, that matters. I think, I think that Patterson talks to all these strangers who, who many of whom have artistic endeavors. Cupcakes, rapping, um, chess. I'll argue that chess is artistic. Um, all of these like artistic Acting. endeavors. But this, yeah, this is the first poet he has spoken to in the movie. Oh, except for the girl. Excuse me, sorry. The young girl that is a complete. I'm lying out of my teeth. He's spoken yeah. to the young girl, but um, but I feel like both Do of them like kind of peck him as poet. <laughs> a bus driver who likes emily dickinson, dickinson. Yeah. um but yeah no i just i i do i feel like you were getting towards the fact that like it's kind of like a poetic little yeah but he knows what he's done <laughs> he he but he knew that driver or, or patterson was lying through his fucking teeth when he said he wasn't a poet he knew mm. that was bullshit he knew that he was like you know he was being like he wasn't like he wasn't uh, expressing himself correctly and that he was you know, he was all in this defeatist mode. He was being kind of unpatterson like and being kind of just super, just, you know, just like kind of down on himself and, and like, oh, shucks. And the dude, like, I gave you just this, I gave you this brand, like, you know, who, who gives people just like blank notebooks? And especially, like, he knew, like, he knew from the start when he, he when he, uh, Patterson said he wasn't a poet, he knew that was bullshit. And he's well, like, I'm going to give you this blank notebook and you're going to immediately be taken with it. And I'm gonna leave. And the yeah. moment he sees that, he's like, "Excuse me, yeah, get fucked." Like, and just like, <laughs> like, yeah, I was right. You're definitely a poet. What yeah, the fuck are yeah. you talking about? You can't fool me. That I was. Think, his I think aha. he also like if we were if we were to assume he he didn't real if we were to assume he didn't realize he had any practice in poetry, like he sees someone who needs an outlet to mm. like trace down their their thoughts but then marvin took that away from him and he and he has this extra notebook to be like no i think 
I think this is an opportunity where you need to write down what you're feeling and maybe s store it for later. And this is like a, a second chance to, um, to be like, no, these, this is worth keeping. And then maybe that second notebook, that that'll be like what gets them to publish. Cause like a moral right. was, was learned. Um, and uh, Adam driver has an, has a quote in an interview. Um, I, I, I'm trying to remember who it's, who it's with. I think it's with the screen actors guilds. He's like, I really loved that Patterson was never tied down to one identity. Like he was a bus driver. He was a poet. He was, I mean, again, kind of poetic. He was also a former Marine, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, it was, it was not one thing that it's like, yes, I can introduce myself to the Japanese poet that I'm a poet or I'm a bus driver. It's not, and I'm a bus driver. So I, mm. I, I think that's where I kind of got the other side of the interpretation. What, and I what does that... he say? A blank page is, or a blank page is full of is uh, full of new possibilities mm. when he hands them. That that sounds about right. I think so. Yeah, I do sometimes wonder if the ending ending of the film with the the, the, the poem, the line where um, he talks about the song, the "Would you rather be a fish?" as if nothing else had to be there after that, or whatever. Um, whether he is, like whether that's a turning point for him or more of the same, whether he is comparing Patterson of the first of the film to the fish as kind of like a man who has quote unquote like let life pass him by and then like this is turning over a new leaf and that like he is, I don't know, more interested in publishing, or like whether the would you rather be a fish line is just like a continuation of his love for being a person in the world of persons. Um, I kind of don't have an opinion nor a preference because um, I could see, you know, I could see that, you know, kind of a second chance with his poems. Um, and, you know, I feel like he does have a lot of more moments of action and agency towards the second half of the film when he, you know, he deals with the bus the bus problem very um, very well and he, he does like I feel like the moment where he tackles Everett is you know it comes naturally to mm -hmm. him I think because he was a former marine but at the same time I think that's something that you wouldn't expect from him in the beginning of the film someone who mm -hmm. does seem at least appears to be more passive so I've kind of wondered if this is like if there is any kind of transformation of his character over the course of the film or not and again I, that's not really a question I know the answer to or weirdly care about the answer to right I don't and think it's so just dirty. Like he seems so statuesque in whether it is physicality or him as a person. It's you know it's kind of one of those things. It's like I mean, of course, character progression is in every kind of movie. If there's time that's progressed and the characters in it, there's been some kind of character progression. Mm -hmm. um, but it is one of those things that you don't really concern yourself too much with when you're watching this film because it. You know, he it, and this sounds kind of stupid. It feels like he's almost a beyond character in, uh, progression. Mm. Like he doesn't. It, it's not like I don't know. It's not like a root of the movie to me. It's very much him being present and not yeah. not necessarily progressing, but not regressing. Just mm. being in the present. Um, but Jack, you were going to say something. I interrupted you. I guess like the reactive to the passive characters always tricky to talk about since. Like they're not the the catalyst for the story. It's more just the stories happening around them, and they're just happen to be inhabiting the world. Um, but I, I guess like to to take what Nick Nick was saying, like the thing, the situation with Everett, he just feels as though he understands the, situ the situation, even if he hasn't been present for the entirety of 
Marie and Everett's relationship, right? Like he, he like it's, it's, it is and isn't complex. Um, the reason he has to intervene is just like, I need to, I need to like feel like I made an impression on you in order to like yeah. tweak your life just a little bit. And then maybe you can give Marie some space or you guys can have like a, a conversation to like work things out a little, a little bit more, um, more than if I didn't intervene then like, but yeah. He just knows the the right time. Do you more think than it, he, most people. He was always written as a Marine, or that was just added with Driver? I know that Jarmusch has been on record in saying he'd always wanted Farhani and Driver to be the core of the love story, and maybe it's it was either... I, so, in that case, maybe, <laughs> is, the, is the answer I'm coming with. If he wrote it for Driver, it would make sense. Yeah. But, well, I don't know, yeah. I don't know, but like... Like how on record was it that he was a former Marine? Like how 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 known was that before? I I, th- I don't know it if it's even well in this the, the character or driver yeah. are you asking? Driver. Yeah. Well, I driver is very well known. Very well known. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't, uh, I, he's such a he's not a public person that much, so I always forget like how much is known he, about him. He talked. I kind of had. I feel like after I watched this movie, I like watched like every single late night interview that ever existed with him, and he talked about it a lot because he was working on this like um he was bringing theater to Marines. Um, he was like do, he was like bringing reading, so I feel like he talked about that a lot. Um, okay. But no, it's 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 interesting. I love that we get very little backstory about Patterson, the character. Patterson is like a very regimented man and it kind of makes you wonder was he like a very sturdy regimented man which means that the marines were a good fit for him which means this lifestyle is a good fit for him or was he some did he have a different kind of personality and the marines kind of taught him discipline right. and you know like the getting up on time and kind of having like, a sturdy having schedule and now this is right where it always yeah. are folded in this right in this correct way having his lunchbox yeah it's you don't know what came first, and again, it's a kind of thing where it doesn't really matter. This is this is who he is now. You know, in a different movie, I feel like you'd get his backstory, but in keeping in line with the film's principles and Patterson's principles, it doesn't matter who he's been. It matters who he is. Right. I, yeah, I think is, in a very cool way. It is present way, in every way. In a very cool way. It kind of reminds me of, like, seeing my grandfather as a young man. Like, <laughs> like Yeah, he has that yeah, old soul about um, him, for sure. Which... Like if you subtract all the crotchety, like grouchiness, <laughs> which my grandfather is not, who I'm thinking of, like like very sweet and athletic and like wise and you know, but he always like said to me like a young age, which I still don't get. I still don't get why you say to it like an eight or seven year old, but he always said like know thyself. And I never, I, I still like, okay, what the fuck is that? But it, it's, right. it's like, thy? Patter- what do you mean by thy, Gramps? The Patterson sort of has that ideology too, like connected with mm. him where it's, right. Right? he's just like, he has, he may not have Somewhere. himself figured out, but he knows like what is suiting him at this age. That's it. Yeah. That's, I, uh... that's, he just, I think, I think Laura and him and Marvin, like that's. I, I love that there isn't something where it's like, why? I, I guess I keep bringing up the same point. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just like, why can't we have a bigger house? We we got to move to the city. You know, it's just you find it's not these little story. things, right? It, it, well, not even marriage stories like that. But I see what <laughs> you mean. You know, like like, um, it, it's more it's more like you you want it so badly, or your brain wants it so badly to go in the direction of dysfunction. Mm. Um. 
and and, and, and it becomes. Do you I think want it be- that to go defunct. Do you want it to be? Defunct? No, well, but I think I, you I'm, expect that from movies. You, oh, I expect you, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and because I think like the story in and of itself is soothing, but because it doesn't go around dysfunction, like that's what has that second wave of like. Wow, I well, it is curious why the climax of the movie is the destruction of the poems there there are times it could be you know you could there could be a blow up between the two of them she's asking for too much like money for guitars or whatever um it could be something bad happens with the bus but like the climax of the movie is this the destruction of the poems um which i almost feel like is in service of like the next scene like i think i think the poems needed to be destroyed to prove that it was never about um, having the poems, but the writing of the poems, and actually, I love, I love that we see the poems getting written. Yeah, like it's a very. For that's the, actually Adam Driver's of, handwriting, which, which oh, I, really, yeah. I love that. Yeah, but like, I feel like this is like the central thing we're getting to is that like it's like the the point of the film is the presence, not like the existence of, and I feel like that's. It does, although this is a film not about technology. I feel like it does have a lot to. To be commented on. I mean, like one of the big things that like adults have to tell you was like, you're in a moment. Why are you taking photos? And like, I understand both parts of this. Like, I like to experience things. I also like to have photos to remember them by. I mean, like, I actually I'm missing a lot of photos on my phone from when like my phone had problems and I had to factory reset it to like my last thing. And I'm very bad at updating my phone, so I'm missing like um, spring of my junior year of college to December of my senior year of college. And, like, I experienced that, but there are a lot of things I know I have forgotten about because, like, the photos I had of them, they're no longer there. So when I'm, like, scrolling through my phone, they're not there. And, like, I I feel like Patterson is a film about the fact that, like, experiencing it was enough. Like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter that the poems are gone. It never mattered that the poems were gone. It mattered that the poems were written. Um which I don't know, I feel like does have like resonance with like our age of technology and like the age of like ultra documentation. You can tweet as much as you want in a day. You can tweet everything if you want. Um, right. And right. there's a movie that came, I mean, there's a movie that came out a few years earlier uh, in 2014 called Boyhood. And Mason, when he gets older, realizes something very similar where he's just like, it was like, I'm, I'm trying to like put together the chronology, but I um, that it's like anyway, like he was at that age of like similar to us, where he's like everyone is having a phone around me, and I'm like ah, I can't do that. But he's like all angsty and a junior in high school. It's it's like that similar idea that it's like I want to experience it in the present, and because it's not preserved on a cell phone, I feel content with. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I I, I they were this... erased from your phone. It's almost like those memories were erased, right? Well, it felt like, I think, I philosophically agree, like, if we'll take that, that's one of, like, the themes of Patterson. Like, I philosophically agree with that. I would like to build in the presence. But I think the thing, like, like what I'm saying about, like, I guess, like, my experience with this film was, like, my whole life has been a life of documentation. I've been on Tumblr since I was, since 2010. And, like, I've had a phone for a really long time. Like, I... The grassy fan fiction uh, we should be aware of. <laughs> floating out there. <laughs> no. Um, Draco, Luna, Harry Potter fan fiction, that's a different hey. story. Um, but, like, I, I, I experience memory, I think, through documentation because that's what I've done since I was younger. Maybe if I was a different person, I'd like had uh, had a different life, that wouldn't be how I experienced memory. But I think I'm so reliant on documentation for memory. There's actually, shoot, I don't know, know what it is. 
But W.G. Sebald has written about this, about how the photograph taints memory, because you will always remember the photograph more than you remember the thing as it happened. Again, I don't know. My partner took a class on, on Sebald, and I know one of the writings was about them, but I don't know what it was because I haven't actually read it. So maybe I'm even summarizing it poorly. But um, <laughs> the point is, I, no, the, the point is of, of, the th- of the things I have been summarized, um, things that have been described to me, yeah, just like this, this notion that, um, that the things existing doesn't matter it's that they have existed and that you yeah. experience them perfect that's perfect yeah. can we talk about how this movie sounds really quickly <laughs> yes, um please. i i saw this i remember noting that like just like the sound effects how much it picks up on like when he's driving the bus i feel like also really works with that like mm-hmm. observational thing going on that like you hear everything he hears. It feels like being inside of his ears. It's exactly like it, it. I don't know. I just found like the dynamics and like the sound effects of this were really impressive, especially to me at a time when like I had not seen many movies with impressive sound. Um, I don't know if either of you picked up on that at yeah, all, but yeah, and and it's it's like that's their entire landscape. That's their whole world is just surrounded by transportation, and it kind of like makes me think of Jarmusch's transportation through his entire career like water boats and dead man or uh the trains and mystery train or the taxi mm-hmm. cab and night on earth you know these, yeah. are, these are all things that are just like central to our protagonist and um i think patterson like patterson just cares for people getting from one destination to the other and he's just happy to, pro- to provide a service similar um to Barry Shapaka Henley. There's just like service people. Mm. Um, yeah, being being about, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because like right. Doc's whole, yeah. Doc just like has a movie going on that we're just not seeing. Oh, yeah. There's so, but that one scene with his like, wife, I, I, there's I mean, so that, much. I guess that like this entire cast has their own separate movie going on. I mean, like, I would love more than anything in the world to follow um, Cara Hayward and Front of the Pod, Jared Gelman around. <laughs> like, it's like going to class like, the first story? time yeah. and maybe the only time who knows that we'll have a guest on that's been in a movie we cover <laughs> oh you weren't here claire when this happened jared oh, gilman followed me on twitter today probably that's, 10, that's minutes, like before 10 minutes before we started recording because I, I, I tweeted about the french dispatch and he probably saw that um actually right now i think i have to respond to a message from him because i tweeted at him then got so embarrassed that i tweeted at him that i deleted the tweet but i think he saw the tweet before i deleted it and then i think he dm me to be like hi and i'm just like i really fucked up this social interaction with a famous person um but yeah that little i mean that little just I don't know how we got the two of them together, but that's just a cute little Easter egg very for. <laughs> very, very funny. Yeah. Um, it, 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 yeah. We. That, it's. Oh man. I. I can't imagine unless we get Tom Hardy, which I've always campaigned <laughs> for. Which you know, always you can always come on Tom. You know. Or it'd be I even be better weird. if like we find. Weird about it. What but, if we find out one of our past guests was was in a movie like uh, I don't know who would be the funniest thing. Kevin, but he was in something. Who knows? <laughs> Kev Bones, were you, what did you star in? <laughs> Anaconda 2 um, is going to happen, and he's going to write and direct <laughs> and star in. I also just want to point out William Jackson Harper, great fucking actor. Of course. I kind, right. 
Yeah. Underground Railroad has now not ruined me for him, yeah. but anytime I see him, I kind of want to start crying. That is his, uh, have you seen Underground Railroad, Nicole? I have not, no. I think I've only actually seen him in The Good Place, um, is the only right. thing I've seen him yeah. in. He, I mean, he's great. That's where I first met him, too. Like, he's incredible in that show. But, mm-hmm. like, I ever since Underground Railroad, anytime I think of William Jackson Harper, I just want to start crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jack, yeah. you know why. It's so, oh man, that, 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 that's the best thing that's come out last year, I think. I mean, this year so far. Um, I need yeah. to watch more stuff, but that's... And pretty remarkable, like, he's kind of the only, one of the only known names in that show, like, like bouncing off of... Uh... We do have, mid, speaking of old, we do have mid-sized sedan in that show as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, also, yeah. shout out to... I. I got the guy's name. I got a shout out to Ron Paget, who is like the real life poet who wrote these real life poems. I don't think I knew oh, that no. going into it, that these were not just like, maybe a couple of them were written for the movie, but most of them were just like his poems um, that existed in the world. And they're beautiful. And I really should check out more of his stuff because I, the poet, it's wonderful that the poetry in this movie is actually good. So it could be a very different movie if the poetry was bad. Clay, how long do you want right. on the Method Man scene? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Method Man. Just we needed. I I wondered. Okay, my one critique. One one more Method Man scene. Just one more. Just one <laughs> little update. Let's see how that rap's going. Uh, his flow is pretty nice. Um, he's whatever he's wearing. His whole outfit is. I need. I need a movie on that. Whatever. Like he's. I think he's like wearing. Like, I guess that begs the question: If we return to Method Man, what vignette do you take out? Uh, you you know you just add. Add more method man. Just <laughs> add a little more sprinkling of it. Just a little um, more. M e t h o d man. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, what was I gonna say? Um. Oh yeah. Shout out to the young little girl poet who was who was who we've just talked not talked about, but she was in the uh movies that we just covered. Do you know Jack? Do you know which movies? Plural. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has to be Conjuring then. If- is she one, yeah. Do you know? Is who, she one of the parents' was? daughters? No, she's in both yeah. of them. So. Oh wow. She's the. Is Warren's she uh, kid. Warren's kid? Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. She's Judy Warren, according to uh, Wikipedia. She's very mm-hmm. good in those movies too. But she's yeah. all. But I love her scene. Uh, okay, let's. Oh, we'll transition to favorite scene. That's how <laughs> we're gonna do it because we're professionals. <laughs> That's my favorite scene of the film. Is mm-hmm. uh, is the, those two just talking about poetry? I love mm-hmm. their interaction. It has like. It's not the same, but it kind of has that feel of um, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Julia Butters, Julia Butters and, and, uh, and, and Leo yeah, just talk, yeah. just like hanging out and just like being contemporaries. I think that's that's always fun, no matter what it is. Just like, to, but also like Adam's so sweet and gentle, um, and that's like maybe like the peak of his sweet and gentleness is also like maybe the peak of his charisma because he's mm. he's almost the most talkative with her than any other character. Mm. I feel like. He's like so, like super engaged with her, and like is talking way more than he is with other people. He's very talkative love- around kids, actually, because when the bus yeah. breaks down, he's really good with them too, huh? Yes, right. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the the moment when he tells Laura about his date, and she's like, "You met another girl? A girl? <laughs> she's so, like in a, her face. Also, she's a ten-year-old girl. girl. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, my my favorite scene is like that ending. Um, when he's by the falls um, and the Japanese poet comes up to him and they have a conversation about poetry and Patterson and William Carlos Williams 
And when he leaves to get up, he gives him a book and he turns around and he says, excuse me, aha. It's, I just, I, I don't, I, it's just beautiful. I don't know. Like, yeah, like that, that final, that final stranger interaction between the two of them, I feel like just wraps up, wraps up everything so nicely in a way that just feels excellent. I think in a movie of details and like mm. things that are are portrayed as coincidental yet are very meticulously written, like that's that's one where it's like, wait, hold on, <laughs> like it, it, it isn't something that's uh, that's staged or, um, but yeah, it's rather it's rather written and it it's it's like someone that's come from the future and it's like you're giving like he gave. Patterson this to like further something that wouldn't that maybe wouldn't otherwise be furthered if it, if he didn't like run into him you know but mm-hmm. um yeah the bus breaking down is pretty cool <laughs> that was that was really really great I, I mean is it gonna explode an, <laughs> into a fireball <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's an old bus you know <laughs> um just just how that whole thing is I, I remember I, I remember this how, like similar to Nick I, I I think this movie's structure is pretty locked in my in my head so it's like when things would happen it's not necessarily what's gonna happen that i was trying to recall um and the bus breaking down it's like i knew it was towards the end it's like it's so i recalled so little of this movie i mean when it was happening i'm like oh yeah Yeah. i forgot that but like going in i'm like i don't even know what this movie starts with i don't even know the opening scene yeah right Mm -hmm. right right. and i just love how it keeps the um the momentum with the rest of the movie and it doesn't like something like that could so easily feel out of place and um it, it kind of sucks that i keep bringing this back to like the worst version of the movie but it, I, I guess that's sort of what it's asking that it's in a way it's asking for that um and you know i love <laughs> i love Pat- yeah like nick mentioned i love patterson corralling the kids like no 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 over here with the other passengers he's such a large man it's so funny how he interacts with children he's like nope over here he's like a fucking giant he's like nope it's so funny it's so funny Um, yeah and and the old ladies are like what's gonna happen to the yeah yeah well well i love how that kid's like what's gonna happen to the bus he's like someone's gonna tell he's like awesome yeah so excited (laughs) tow trucks yeah it's like that's so funny oh that's so good Oh, I'm a nerd. I, I love that kid. I love um, this movie. I love yeah. Adam Driver. I love Jim Jarmusch. Uh, this is the my favorite. This is my best actor winner of 2016. Oh yeah. Know. Like any final thoughts, guys? Or you guys have said it all. I love this movie. I feel like I continue to get something out of it uh, every single time I watch it. Uh, a pretty like yeah, I guess. You know, it's worth mentioning as well. This was like the big critics' pick for performance this year as well. Like, the, like Driver was really close to a nomination, probably sixth or seventh place. I'm imagining. Um, like Damn. L.A. and New York, like voted him best actor of 2016. Um, and then a few weeks later, he came out with Silence. Like, God damn it, you're so good at this. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I hope to cover. Like, that's a pretty underdiscussed. Uh, Darmush, Ridley Scott, um, Ryan Johnson. Scorsese. Uh, Are you naming the directors he's worked with? Or? Yeah, I'm just thinking. It's like it's an incredible. Yeah. I mean, run Jeff Nichols, Clint Eastwood, Steven Spielberg. I mean, 
Steven Soderbergh. Soderbergh. Yeah. He's probably like he's probably no the actor I like seeing the most. Like he's he's the most exciting current actor. Yeah, like he's the he just is. Of course, like best actor. Like this is nothing new, but we're just like you know best actor work. He's the best actor it's of our generation. Even, yeah. It's not even like. It's one thing to have a great performance. It's one thing to be a great actor, but just his like his success rate of projects he chooses is insane. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. I mean, Adam, it, like Oscar Isaac might be my favorite current actor, but his like success rate kind of fucking sucks. Yeah, like he took and a I, hit. I, I think what I love, I had seen yes, I must I had seen The Force Awakens before I saw um, Patterson, and so, like that was my context of Adam Driver is like. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I didn't know, I just thought he was, you know, like, guy in sci-fi movie. And I feel like what I love so much about Adam Driver is how diverse he is. He's Mm -hmm. scary. He can be, like, I love how calm and cozy he is in this. Um, He can do drama. I feel like he's, like, the the most... And also, like, he's hysterical. Like, he can make oh my God. Ch- like chuckle like a lunatic. He's like, so charming. His tiny little role in Francis Ha is like, I hate this guy, and he's so funny. Like, it's it's amazing. God, he looks like Davis, he's just this ha. big glute. Yeah. Outer know, space. space. Yeah, just, please, Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. That, was, that was my first exposure to Adam Driver. Inside oh, my God. Life. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, um, he tr- like like you know we talked about like Michael Fassbender in the past like that like his projects fucking like recently. Well, yeah, and I think it was the Frank episode that we compared Isaac and Fassbender. Like they have like similar trajectories that in the first half of the decade, like they were pretty unstoppable, but then they just like declined. Yeah, right. But like now Isaac at least has Card Counter and Dune yeah. and stuff. Well, Fassbender's um, gonna work with like, David Fincher, so I guess like you know on the other. Yeah, path. yeah. So, oh. but yeah, like, even Tom Hardy, and my even Adam Driver, like he's gonna be working with Noah Baumbach again. Like, oh my, like, like he, and that's the thing, he's not even slowing down. Like, and like twenty, yeah. like twenty twenty one is a great year for him. And I think one, you know, one more thing about Driver, like he doesn't like vocally he drives. seek out. <laughs> he doesn't. He drives a bus. <laughs> Oh my god. Um well I what was I gonna say? Uh he sorry. doesn't actively like, seek he, out Yeah, he doesn't actively seek out filmmakers. Like people go to him, like, no way, I am right. recognizing right. your range. Like um Scorsese in uh twenty nineteen gave him that like honorary award in in Tribeca. Like I I need to like shower you with praise. Like you're like hardly I think he's like early 40s like late 30s like he, he's so young still i know um, wait no he's not that old i was saying he's not four i think he's like 35 yeah, I, Hold yeah, on. late 30s and mid 30 yeah something like that but I, adam I driver is 37 yeah yeah that sounds about right yeah um i remember this this song that played in the trailer that it always like moved moved me even since i like uh, obviously like you only see trailers like once or twice it was um, I'm Still a Man by Willie West. Nick, if you know it. I don't know that song, no. It's, it's like, really movie. It sounds like Otis Redding. Um, it's mm. just, like, very serene. But We played this game So many times before In and out of my life Well, I, I will was, check was, that out because I said that's uh, that's up my up my alley. Yeah, I'll send it over to you. Um, it yeah, just, hell yeah. It feels like so. I mean, yeah, I already mentioned, but it's like Jarmusch, who's 
so in tune to um, how music complements film and vice versa. But Nick, thanks mm -hmm. so much for being here. This has been thank you for having me once again. Yeah, um, please, come please come back. Yeah, yeah. This is we'd love to have you again. I've, if no one wants to talk about First Reformed in the next year, uh, hit me up because I got thoughts about that one too. <laughs> we both adore that movie. That is another like very formative one. So like, yeah, soon yeah. for sure. Well, Where can everybody find you? Do you have anything to plug, promote? Um, um, I, make <laughs> I make YouTube videos about books and music and films. Uh, it's just under my name, Nicole Fegan. That's like the word vegan, but with an F. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Nick Fegan, now followed by Jared Gilman. Um, <laughs> If you need if you need a book edited, real talk, if you need a book edited, I'm actually a professional book editor. So find me on readsy.com. Um, and I think that's about all that's going on in my life. Thank you guys again for having me and letting me talk about uh, the movie that got me into movies. Yeah, Anytime. yeah no, that's Anytime. that's this like fantastic. This is what we look for. I mean, at least for me, like I'm like, oh, struggle. Like not only is it your favorite movie decade, but it like got you into film. Like that's like the best that's like the best of both worlds that's the two um, for hell now, yeah now it's like i feel a little embarrassed that i said fagin and i'm like that sounds wrong and now i realize like it's it's vegan I, with, I, with a f that's perfect every know. single doctor that's ever called my name in a waiting room has said fagin so don't okay. worry uh you're all good yeah all I, right i'm on twitter uh jack a draper and letterbox Jack draper seven uh i have writing on a film online like places uh the simple cinephile and my own personal medium next week uh rebecca bonus will be here uh for the kids all right she's like back yeah <laughs> back from saving the world yeah i know <laughs> seriously um we can't wait that's i'm sure that that's going to be like ultra chaotic and we're here for it and a lot of Mark Ruffalo thirst. It's yes. going to probably uh, be most And that Benning talk, that'll really be fun. Yeah. Ben, you know, talking Benning, Benning talking. I don't know. There's something there. You can make a joke out of it. I won't do the work for you. Um, everyone can follow me at uh, Birds of Play on Twitter and on Letterboxd. You can follow me on Instagram at Mr. Clay Williams. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at ETTPod. You can follow the podcast Instagram account at Exiting2010s. You can subscribe, us, subscribe oh, to us I got on it. any... I got, I got it, I think. Boating oh. and Benning. We're on boat while talking about Annette Benning movies. Wow. Boating and Benning. Perfect. Good lord. Are you serious? Or is that ben, like Benning, really Benning silly and, and stupid? Benning and breakfast? No, bre <laughs> no, no, that doesn't work. Benning but, and never mind. No, your first one was better. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, you can, yeah, subscribe to us on any podcast. Yeah, kids are all right. Rebecca Bonus. It's going to be good. There you go. Yeah, that, that's the cell. Uh, yeah, so Spotify, iTunes, whatever you listen to podcasts on, we're there. Uh, remember to share us on your social medias, retweet on Twitter, on, share us on your Instagram, whatever gets the word out, share us to a friend. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, stay safe, everyone. Be good to yourself. Give yourself a break. I think we're all kind of, I think, I, you know, I've just noticed a lot of people are just like, I'm not doing anything right now. I'm not doing anything right now. I'm, I'm uh, not doing anything, but like, I'm not doing what I need to be doing. You know, I, I, I've been doing that a lot, too, so I think we're all in the same headspace. So let's, you know, give yourself a break. Just kind of chill out. Let's, let's, try to, let's try to be nicer to ourselves. Um, yep, and get vaccinated. Keep wearing those masks. Do what you got to do. And as always, black, uh, 
Oh wow. Uh, cut that, Jack, because I I legitimately just like flubbed. Uh, Jesus. Let me try that again. And as always, Black Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights, free Palestine, stop Asian hate. We'll catch you all next time on Exiting Through the 2010s. If it makes you feel any better. Oh, 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 oh,